Hey listeners, thanks for joining us on this week of The Pastor's Cut. Before we jump in, I want to take a moment and introduce our new co-host on the show, Hillary Murphy. She's on staff here at Near North, and Hillary, it's great to have you with us. Hi, thanks Trevor. I'm excited to be joining you from here on out. This week we have Rafe Chenery with us, and Rafe is our South Loop Location Pastor. Yeah, and with him we get to dive into Romans 3, 9 through 20, and talk about apologetics, some Marvel films, and the listener question, how do I talk about sin with someone who doesn't think it's real? So let's dive in. I'm Trevor Lovell. And I'm Hillary Murphy. And this is The Pastor's Cut with Rafe Chenery. Welcome, Rafe. Good to be here with you. I'm so glad to be here with you guys. So, Rafe, we have been asking our guests a, a question, a very important question. What is your favorite restaurant? That is kind of a trick question. <laughs> so, the trick question is because there's three major meals throughout the day, and oh. each meal... You, look, <laughs> let me just let me back up a little bit. Years ago, in my first small group of park, actually... We came up with a, f- a restaurant rating system yeah. called FEMPS. And actually, this is back when <laughs> blogs were like, it was the FEMPS rating system. And we would go to restaurants every weekend and actually evaluate restaurants on our FEMPS rating system. Wow. Um, so and you so are the I, expert to answer this question. I can kind of <laughs> genuinely say I know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very legitimate. Uh, lots of people read it, including my mom. <laughs> Uh, no, I think my favorite dinner restaurant in the city, uh, is 90 miles from the border. It's a Cuban restaurant. Uh-huh. And, uh, I don't think I'd ever had Cuban food before I ate there, but my wife and I love to go there whenever we get a chance. Awesome. It's I can hear people around the room saying it's fantastic. <laughs> so they know 90, it's 90 miles is the, that's what miles. it's called. I thought you were giving us like a random no, 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 no. fact about where it's located. <laughs> okay. no, 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 it's called 90 miles. And then the full title is 90 Miles from the Border. Got it. Uh-huh. Okay. What what neighborhood is it in? Is it Logan? It's Logan. Logan Square. Oh, man. Yep. It's good. And then what you can do is, if you walk out of 90 Miles, you can go down the street to Margie's and get a hot fudge sundae because they have the best hot yeah, fudge in the I city. I've heard great things about it's Margie's. It's incredible. Okay. There's something about Margie's hot fudge that kind of changes your perspective on life a little. And so everyone should should make the should okay. make the ninety miles Margie's run at some point in their life. Great. And yeah. where does one find the whole rating system Fems? and evaluation? Fems. Well, I'm I don't know how to delete things from the internet. Oh. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> somewhere out on the interweb is a FEMPS, F-E-M-P-S. Each letter stood for something in the rating system, like food selection, environment. Uh, price, all that. T- I can't remember what it was now, but Great. it's out so there. So our lucky listeners nice. can yeah. go and go and find that after. It's probably like number like sixty five on the Google. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know the, the page. So have patience and, and scroll down, but it, yeah. it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. This sounds like a sounds like a Bible study. I'd like to be a part of. <laughs> <laughs> you were about to say it sounds like a rape idea. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's let's jump in with a sermon recap. So you preached at South Loop this weekend. Yep. Yeah. Can you give us a quick and recap of your sermon in Bridgeport? That's right. Yeah, uh, so the text was uh, Romans 3, verses uh, 9 through 20. And this is Paul bringing to kind of a close the argument that he's been making since we started Romans uh, chapter 1. Uh, and essentially, he's, uh, he's bringing that argument that all humanity is guilty to its final verdict, to its ending. He's already shown in chapters 1, most of the way through chapter 2, that the Gentiles, who don't have the law, 
are guilty before a holy God because God has written into the fabric of their inner being his uh, divine ethic for their life. And so they're without excuse. That's Romans chapter one. Gentiles Mm -hmm. are without excuse. Even though they don't have the law, Mm -hmm. they will be found guilty before God on their judgment day. And then in the end of chapter two, in the beginning of chapter three, he's shown the Jews are also guilty before a holy God, particularly because they had the law and they failed to live up to its standard. And so now he's already made that argument. He brings it to this kind of summarizing close uh, by saying that no one is righteous. And the the verdict is given at the end in verse 20, where it says, um, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. And what the text does, it's really a a pretty heavy text, Mm -hmm. but the way I worded it in my sermon is that the text blurs for us our categories of evil. Uh, we oftentimes think that evil is something that lives out there uh, and that we are by and large immune from it. Uh, But actually what this text does is it kind of scans our soul, each and every person, no matter who you are, where you're from, what your religion is. And it says, as you stand before a holy God, you are a breaker of God's commands. You are a propagator of sinfulness and wickedness around you. And the ultimate problem lies within you. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's the problem of sin. And we're all guilty before a holy God. And so this is really an exposition of sin. It's as clear an exposition of sin as we're going to find in scripture. And Paul does it in a pretty poetic way, Mm -hmm. uh, but also a pretty kind of powerful way if you allow it to really speak to your own heart and evaluate your own life. Uh, So that's kind of a summary of where we went. Mostly, to be honest with you, verses nine through 20 is bad news. There's, it's, it it basically, it ends with you are guilty. The really good news is gonna come in next week's sermon where Mm -hmm. God says uh, through Paul that that another way of being found righteous with God has been given, that's through Jesus. Mm -hmm. But in this text, we're kind of locked in this place of sitting in the midst of a real guilt before a holy God. obviously pointing ourselves to Christ and our need for him. But Paul will bring that good news next week. Mm -hmm. All right, Rafe. So what got caught from your sermon this week? Yeah. Uh, So both the things that I kind of brought to share today were, uh, I'd say they were cut in their fullness, uh, meaning they were ideas that I had begun to develop and maybe inserted a little bit here or there throughout the message, but ultimately didn't have time to really dig into. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first one I'd kind of say is this. if the if Paul's message is true, which we believe it's true, right? Yeah. All men are sinful before a holy God, and we're far more sinful than we would ever care to admit, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it we're just more guilty than we choose to acknowledge. If that's true, um, then what we have to realize is that there is only one solution to the problem of sin in our life. It's Jesus. And by way of making that argument, you are also saying that man-made solutions to try to solve the problem of sin in our life Mm -hmm. and the repercussions of sin in society do not ultimately work. So let me say that again. So uh, man-made solutions to the problem of sin do not work. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now that has a lot of implications. I think for starters, just to kind of root it in the text, What this text is saying is that each and every person in society is fallen. Uh, The historical language here is totally depraved. We're Mm -hmm. we're totally broken. We're not all as bad as we possibly could be. And we're not utterly depraved, but we are all not as good as we should be. Mm -hmm. And uh, sin has really gotten down to our root. And so when we come together as a whole, as a society, we're all broken people 
with mm-hmm. broken mindsets, broken visions of who God is. Remember, some of this language, no one seeks God. No one yeah. understands God. Mm-hmm. We, we just, in our natural state, without Jesus's transformation in our life, we don't get the world we live in. We've been blinded by Satan. And so if we are looking to broken people and broken systems to actually give us solutions to the issues in our heart and ultimately the issues of society, um, it's not gonna work. So to give you a couple examples, if you work on a, uh, you can kind of think through this in a positive and like a constructive way and a, uh, what's another word for that? Like a deconstructive way or a mm. negative way. Negatively, sometimes people look to solve issues of the heart through, uh, you know, ways of numbing the human psychic and conscience and yeah. uh, just kind of numbing the pain of sin. Uh, you know, obvious examples, drinking, addictions, mm-hmm. uh, drugs, uh, foolish behavior, taking risks that uh, we shouldn't be taking. All that kind of stuff is a man-made solution to a, a, a spiritual reality, yeah. the problem of sin in our life. And it's, it, it's trying to heal a wound. Uh, but we know, I mean, everybody knows those solutions don't actually work. Yeah. It, it doesn't actually solve anything in the long run. It gives you temporary relief Mm-hmm. Um, in some way because it it deceives you, but in the long run, it doesn't heal the wound. Those are negative examples. Yeah. From a positive example, sometimes we look to uh, man-made ideas or things and and think that good things can fix the problem. So personally, right, you can look to great leadership or a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you look to the hope of a spouse one day. You know, if I, if I can just get this person or you look to uh, the hope of a job or you look to, um, you know, a thousand examples, you're in a job and you think, man, if only the right boss would come in, then my life would get in order. If only I could get a job closer to where I live, I wouldn't be traveling so much. And, and all these things trying to cover pain that's coming out from a spiritual issue in your soul. All of those things are man-made solutions. It's not that they might mm-hmm. not be good in some ways. It's just simply they're not going to actually solve the issue of the soul. Only Jesus can do that. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a word for Christians and non-Christians alike. Uh, so when we look out at the world and we think, uh, why does it keep getting worse? Mm-hmm. It seems like in many ways, why do people keep getting meaner? Uh, the the Christian looking through the perspective of Scripture knows the answer to that. It's mm-hmm. because the world keeps looking to man-made solutions. Yeah. which are blinded from reality and can't actually heal to solve the problems of the heart. Um, a great example from this in scripture is uh, 2 Kings chapter 5, the story of Naaman. I know we preached on this story a few times. Mm, that is a good story. Naaman is this, uh, he's like the hand of the king almost. He's just a very powerful guy, uh, not in Israel, in a, in a neighboring country. And he's got one big problem in his life. He's got leprosy. And we know as readers of the text that the leprosy actually wasn't the real issue, that there was a much deeper spiritual issue going on. He needed God. He was a broken man. He was arrogant and he was broken. He goes to Israel because he's been told that there's healing in Israel. And he goes to the king of Israel. And I love the king's response. The king just responds. He says, who am I? Do you think I'm God that I can heal you? Mm -hmm. And in that moment, Naaman has this check that a man-made solution, a king, a government official is not going to be able to solve the problems of his soul. And ultimately Mm -hmm. he's got to go to the prophet of God who points him towards God's power himself. Mm -hmm. Similarly to us, we, especially in our modern day, I'm going to go a little political for a second. 
Just like Naaman, we oftentimes look to government. We look to big systems like government. We look to presidents or leaders or mayors to be the solution. If only we could get the right person who could lead the right way, they'd solve the problems of society. They'd solve the strike in Chicago. They'd solve Mm -hmm. the corruption in the city. They'd solve the arguing between uh, different parties. Mm -hmm. Government not gonna solve things. It doesn't mean the government doesn't have a good place in society, and we'll get Mm -hmm. to that in the book of Romans. But if we look to that as the solution to solve the issues that plague society in our heart, then we will always be found wanting more. Mm-hmm. It can't solve the reality of what Romans 3 says is the problem of the heart, that the soul is off, we're full of sin, and only Jesus can heal that. And yeah. we don't just need that individually, but our society needs that. Mm-hmm. The kingdom of God is what's needed to come into our society. And that's yeah. our role. We're ambassadors of Christ. As Christians, we go out and we share that, and we transform society through the sharing of that. Yeah. So this may be a tangent off of that, um, but superheroes are super popular right now with Marvel is doing pretty good with what they're doing. Uh And I wonder if, if if in some sense that's playing on this impulse to, to want to look to a savior or a superhero or something like that, someone who's going to Mm -hmm. save us. And and you can even see parallels between a lot of the superheroes and Jesus um, in particular, especially with Superman. Yeah. Um, But parallels, maybe a, a safer word there is mm-hmm. glimpses yeah. of Jesus. Yeah. Um, broken shadow versions. Our, our modern Marvel universe is akin to Greek mythology with their gods and goddesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really interesting if you study Greek mythology, uh, much of how culture lived mm-hmm. and what culture's expectations of the way the world operated was rooted in their mythology, in these uh, broken, weird, arguing, fighting gods mm-hmm. and goddesses that were behind yeah. everything. And uh, it's not a far stretch to say that Marvel has created mm-hmm. an American mythology yeah. uh, that defines our culture. And some of the decisions we're making, even like you're just saying, mm-hmm. like the, the desire for a superhero to come in and, f- and save the day, yeah. thinking that there's someone who can do it. There's someone that's that Captain America, that's that mm-hmm. Iron Man, that's, that's got mm-hmm. enough strength and will to solve our problems. Yeah. Uh, that actually drives how we look at very real world problems, just mm-hmm. like ancient Greek mythology did. Mm-hmm. And the ultimate answer is, it's not gonna, it's not gonna work. Jesus is the only one who solves the issues. Um, and so anyways, as a lover of Marvel movies, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm critiquing them. Yeah. They have to point us towards Christ. Otherwise they point us towards man-made solutions. Yeah. And as you said, oftentimes we are really blinded to these man-made solutions. So how would you recommend us as Christians to combat that and bring it to light? Or is there something that you have found in your own personal life, especially as you're dug into the scripture that really helped you to see that yeah. and remember to just rely on Jesus and he's the one that can heal? Yeah, I think that is such a good question. Like, get practical with this. So I think the, <clears throat> the, the objective for a Christian is to be blinded. You, you can't see me right now, but uh, <laughs> if you're listening to the podcast, well, you guys can, I can see, see you. Me, <laughs> yeah. But the podcast listeners can. Uh, my church knows sometimes what I'll do is I'll hold my Bible up in front of my eyes, mm-hmm. and I'll just say, this is the perspective whereby I see the world. I, I, mm-hmm. I see everything through the lens of scripture. It defines my reality for me. It's my interpretation of what is happening. Yeah. And as Christians, we need to train ourselves to do that. We train ourselves to do that, one, by knowing the word of God, two, by being very close to God through the power of the Holy Spirit, through prayer. The closer we draw to God, the more sensitive we are to his word, to the, the, the world around us. But three, 
the words of God, the scriptures actually paint a picture for what is real. And so whenever we evaluate a circumstance or we think of a moral dilemma or laws that are being passed or conversations our friends are having, the Christian needs to train themselves to first filter whatever is taking place through God's word. God's word speaks into everything. There is not an area of your life where God's word is not gonna speak into it, where he has not given us guidance, not the pinpoint answer, but the underlying guidance of what's really taking place in reality. And so Christians need to train themselves to regularly stop jumping to our first move of the old man before we know Jesus, which was to evaluate it based on our own mind, our own rationalism, and just try to make sense of it all. But to become the new man that Christ has made us, to go to the word of God, interpret it through scripture. And that takes help. You need good friends. You need good Mm -hmm. people to learn how to do that around, but it's it's a worthwhile pursuit. Yeah, absolutely. So what else got cut? (laughs) Um, Let's see. Uh, The second thing that got cut, uh, so this is an interesting little piece here. In Romans chapter three, verses, uh, starting in verse 10, he's making his argument. This whole scene of nine through 20, Mm -hmm. I made the case as some commentators have that this is really a courtroom scene. Verse nine is where the charges are brought. Uh, basically they're charged that Jews and Greeks are under sin. Verses 10 through 18 is an evaluation of the evidence. And then verses 19 through 20 is the verdict. You're all guilty. Mm-hmm. And so it's this courtroom scene and, and humanity is being brought on trial. Yeah. What's fascinating is verses 10 through 18, where the evidence is brought, it's done by looking at what scripture says. Mm. Uh, this is what's called presupposing scripture. It's presuppositional in nature. He's presupposing that the word of God is the final and ultimate authority where we interpret all reality. So if you think of a, an attorney who's bringing a case against humanity, there's so many ways you could do that, right? Mm-hmm. You could you could pinpoint actual cases, right? He, he could have said, remember when so-and-so did this, that's an example of sin. Remember when this happened, that's an example of sin. He could have uh, made his case for the sinfulness of humanity on philosophy mm-hmm. and kind of take, you know, uh, Greek philosophy and, and try to find a way to say, okay, we're here. Since we're present, there must be some kind of purpose for why we're here. If there's purpose, there has to be what is true and not true, what is good and not good. And since we know that evil exists, and you see how you just do that human reasoning thing, and that's just mm-hmm. philosophy. He could have gone that route mm-hmm. and tried mm-hmm. to get to an argumentation for why we're all evil. Um, there's a lot of things he could have done. But ultimately what he does, he goes straight to the highest court in the land, in Mm -hmm. in the world. It's the Supreme Court. There's no appeal to be made once you appeal to scripture. Mm -hmm. Because if you appeal to human reasoning, then the person who you're bringing the evidence against can always say, yeah, but what about this and this and this? So Paul cuts through all of it. He goes right to scripture Mm -hmm. and he says, this is what the Bible says about your condition. That's called presuppositionalism. It's presupposing Mm -hmm. God's word as the actual foundation of what is true. And for us, I I just, I'm a very strong believer in uh, that's how we as Christians ought to be having conversations with people. Mm -hmm. It's presupposing that the word of God is more powerful than human reasoning. Mm -hmm. Uh, It doesn't negate human reasoning. It doesn't say that logic and science and evidence and all that are bad in any way. They're just tools of mm-hmm. scripture. Mm-hmm. They, they all are 
taking place, they're all real. Logic works because scripture is true. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately, if we want to go to the highest court of the land right away and just get on with it, just like Paul, we turn to scripture when we make arguments. And let me give you an example. This is what happens time and time again in scripture. Jesus and the apostles, whenever they're having conversations with people, the first place they always go they always turn to scripture. So just to give you a mm-hmm. classic example, uh, Jesus on the road to Emmaus, right? He's walking with these two guys, Luke chapter 24. Let me turn there real quick. Uh, Jesus, after his death, is uh, comes alongside two men who are having a conversation about what's taking place. And then Luke 24, verse 27, Jesus comes alongside them, says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, he could have done a whole lot of stuff at that point. He, there's a ton of ways to prove what's taken place and the mm-hmm. meaning of it all, but he goes straight to the scriptures. And time and time again, in Peter's first sermon in Acts, Paul's, most of Paul's conversations, they're constantly mm-hmm. saying to non-believers, I want you to know the situation. Mm-hmm. Here's what's true. The word of God says this. Yeah. And as Christians, we just have to trust that there's a power in the word of God. Uh, that his word will be true and will work in invisible, powerful ways in people's hearts that we're speaking to, even when we don't understand it. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to do that because you have to know scripture a little better mm-hmm. and not just appeal to human reasoning and logic, but to actually go to the word of God and use that as a starting point for all our conversations. And we see that's yeah. exactly what Paul's doing in Romans is yeah. how he brings his conviction. I gotta, I gotta drop this one. I know Trevor, that. I got you going. <laughs> I gotta say something about this. <laughs> so um, one of the things I found in this passage that what he's doing here is um, it's something called Gezerah Shavah. So Hillel the Elder, one of the most influential rabbis that ever lived, he was born in 100 BC, um, and he established these seven exegetical rules that have got, gone on to be, kind of be like the foundation for exegesis, for interpreting scripture for rabbis. And uh, the second rule is what's called Gezerah Shavah, and it's where you basically, you take these passages that have a connected idea or thematically and you string them together like pearls on a necklace. And that's exactly what Paul is doing here. And what's fascinating is that Hillel the elder, his grandson is Gamaliel, who was one of the most prominent rabbis uh, in the time of Jesus. And it's the rabbi actually that Paul studied under before mm-hmm. he converted to Christianity. And so he's kind of like flexing some Jewish interpretive skills here, showing I, I know what I'm doing. Yep. And uh, I, I've got this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, <clears throat> making a, a joke about that in my message on Sunday. And you you turned me on to that idea. I, did, I hadn't known that until I was talking to you last week. And, uh, it, you know, the, the chiraz, the, the pearl of strings, as you mm-hmm. were talking, the, the string of pearls, as you were talking about it. Yeah. Uh, when you look at Romans 3, he's pulling together all like the terrible things about humanity <laughs> mm-hmm. as a string of pearls. And I heard one pastor uh, call it the pearl string or the pearl, the pearl string of nasty, uh-huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? It's just this like, yeah. this is how terrible you are. Yeah. And when you read Romans, it's like, man, that's wisdom, but that hurts. And that's just mm-hmm. awful to consider that we're that terrible. Right, but, it's yeah. like so poetic and yet in such an ugly way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what else got cut? Oh, I need a third one? I only brought in two, uh, but I can start making things up right now. 
<laughs> well, I had a follow-up question with yeah, your, your second point. It really was a great reminder that that is our starting point is going to scripture and especially as believers. Mm-hmm. And I think the way that Paul even considered his audience so many times when he was writing and thinking about who he was writing to, the context there. So how would you recommend us today to go about that considering our audience and that we might have family and friends that don't view the scripture as truth? So what we're talking about is apologetics. Uh, the word apologetics means defending. It's, it's giving an, a case and an argument for your position. It's, so it's defending the truth in a sense. And so you're talking to non-believers, you're talking to your family, your friends who don't believe, you're trying to give the case for the biblical perspective. Um, this is gonna sound, probably to most listeners, this is gonna sound in some ways counterproductive, um, but I would actually argue that is the way scripture demonstrates Mm. to us, uh, but also based on what we believe to be true about the world as it is, it's the only way to go about it. If I'm talking to a non-believer and I'm trying to talk to them about whatever the situation is, the first place I wanna go, I want that person who I'm speaking with to know that my, my argumentation starts and is founded and rooted in presupposing scripture. So if we're talking about, you know, uh, the problem of evil, let's say. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's lots of ways to talk about it. There's books upon books that talk about the problem of evil in the world from every mm-hmm. religion, from philosophers throughout the ages, mm-hmm. to you just name it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's ways to approach that conversation, many good, many terrible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but here's how I want to do it. I want to go to the Word of God. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start there. And I, I, I probably at some point would go down and I'd go back to Genesis. Mm-hmm. I'd go back to Adam and Eve and I'd say, look, the... The, the reason this is here is because in Genesis, we see that uh, there was deception that took place and we made a choice to rebel against God. That's mm-hmm. the nature. The nature of all evil is rebellion to God. We see that all through scripture and pinpoint actual places. Now, someone might say, yeah, but that's your scripture. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't agree with that. And then what I would say is, I, I would ask them, I'd, I'd inquire. So I'm just intrigued. Can share your view for me. Where is it founded and rooted? Mm, mm -hmm. And what normally happens when you ask someone else to share their view, you can start helping them understand that any other view outside of rooting yourself in the logic of scripture is not standing on anything that's worthy of support. It it falls, It, it, it utterly falls eventually. And that's just a matter of asking good questions. That's what Jesus always did, right? He always asked good questions when people asked him questions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So as someone starts explaining how they think about evil or how uh, whatever the question is of the day, uh, you ask them, why do you believe that? How do you know that's true? Where are you you seeing that from? And as you start probing, usually most people haven't thought about this in, in a real full manner they're gonna start very quickly realizing that unless you root your arguments in something unmovable, mm-hmm. it's, you're always on shaky sand. Mm-hmm. It's, it's always gonna be moving or changing. And in fact, most conversations I have with people in an apologetic way, over the course of the conversation, they will change their opinion many times. Mm. I'll help them see that that didn't work, then they'll jump over to a new position, then they'll jump to a new position. And at the end of the conversation, I can just say, I've been standing on the same position mm-hmm. from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. It's unmoving. It it is true. Uh, this week I had a wonderful Uber rider who uh, <laughs> had about twenty five minutes in the car with him, and he was just sharing with me the tremendous brokenness in his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got a chance to, at the end of the car ride, to pray with him and to diagnose his problem. Mm. Wow! And to say, hey, I I hear you sharing all of this with your career, with your health. 
And, and I got to point him to scripture and say, this brokenness is not just accidental. Mm. The evil that we experience in, this, in the world is not God's design. Let me show you this in scripture and then pray with him. And it was an emotional ending to the, mm. to the mm. car ride. People need to hear Christians speaking scripture. Mm-hmm. believing it and then praying it powerfully over people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it just put a little courage in our listeners. Don't be afraid to open your Bibles with people. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Man, so we have a listener question this okay, week okay. That, that actually ties pretty well with the text. Um, this is what it is. How do you talk about sin with someone who doesn't think it's real? That, well, <laughs> that's great. That's uh-huh. a great question. And it's kind of right in line with what we were just talking about. Uh-huh. Um, so Trevor, I could ask you that. <laughs> <laughs> based on based on what we just talked about, right? If what we're saying is true, uh, how do you talk about sin with someone who doesn't think it's real? <clears throat> I could come at that from a ton of different angles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I heard uh, Ravi Zacharias uh, give a great uh, non-biblical, mm-hmm. so not the approach I'm suggesting right now, argument. And someone asked him that question at a conference one time, and he just said, uh, do you lock your doors at night when you go to sleep? Mm-hmm. And the answer was, Yes. And then Ravi said, well, why do you do that? And the guy said, oh, because there's evil in the world. (laughs) Right? So that would be one way to do it. And that works. The problem with that way, while it's true that that is an actual application of the scriptures, Mm -hmm. the problem with it is there's always an appeal to be made. Mm-hmm. You can always appeal to some other thinker, to some other truth, to something else, to, and then you get locked in this constant back and forth argument. That's why what I would do is I would go to the Bible mm-hmm. as a Christian. If I'm talking to someone and they just say, I don't think there's sin in the world, man, then I'm going to, I might go to First John it says, if any of you think you do not sin, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like, and actually open the scriptures and say, the Bible, God's word actually says that all of us have sinned. I might go to Romans chapter three that we've just been studying and, and say, Paul is showing us in the Bible that God has a, a perfect ethic for humanity. And sin is not just what we think evil, but sin's actually what God says evil is. And then expose that all of us have fallen short of that. Mm-hmm. Not one, no, not one. That's like this bold, ex- and then say, do you believe that's true? Like, the, if the scripture says this is the world we live in, it mm-hmm. says that everyone is in some way evil. We all make sinful choices. And then put it on them. Do you, do you believe that you have any contribution to the wickedness that lives in our society? Mm-hmm. And let them wrestle with God's word. Mm-hmm. Because there's no way anyone says yes to that. And if they mm-hmm. say yes to that, then the next argument is to go back to Naaman and show them that they live in a place of arrogance. Mm-hmm. Not just because of their answer, but because of what the word of God says. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, you're, that you're supposing that you're a perfect being. Mm-hmm. You're not being honest with yourself at that point. And now I can go to other scriptures to show them that. And so I would open up my Bible. I'd appeal to the highest court of the land right away. This mm-hmm. is what the scripture says. And then put it on them. How would you wrestle with that when I just shared with you? Mm-hmm. Um, that's yeah, how I do that. That's good. That's good. All right. Well, thanks for being with us, Ray. This has been great. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed hearing from Rafe. And join us next week. We will have Kenson Lamb here. He is our South Region lead pastor and the Bridgeport location pastor. If you want your questions answered on the next episode, we have a new number for you. You can text Ask Podcast, followed by your question, to the number 22333.